Hello, everyone. <clears throat> My name is Luke Thomas. It is Wednesday, February 18th, 2015. This is the Promotional Malpractice live chat. Now, this is a weird time because we normally don't start at 2. We normally start at 1 p.m. East Coast time. Uh, I'm here at home because I have a doctor's appointment down the street. And so uh, we're not going to go for a full hour and a half today, just an hour. But, you know, if you guys are really into it, we'll see what we can do about maybe additional chat later in the week. But obviously, here's what we need to talk about. You, you know what's up. Um, the UFC press conference announcing their new performance enhancing drug testing policy is almost over. I think there's one last question. I think Damon Martin is talking, um, and then it should be over. Um, so we're going to be the first to get some reactions out there. I, I wish I could take calls because I think now would be an interesting time to really sort of like reach out and touch someone, talk about some of these things. I am going to get to your questions in the, um, in the comments. If for some reason I don't, I swear on all that is holy, I will write a response because I think it's really important, but I just don't see how we can overlook anything related to um, uh, related to uh, this press conference. So with that said, let's sort of talk about what, what's, what's happened so far and what's about to happen. Um, they announced a bunch of stuff today, didn't they? Oh, by the way, um, share this on Twitter, share this on Facebook, share this on YouTube, wherever you can share it. Um, be sure to do so. That would be kind of awesome. Hold on, I'm sending a tweet right now, uh, just because I don't think that. Uh, there we go. Okay, there we are. Um, so here's what they announced. Uh, if you're going to share this on Facebook already, you're going to give this video a thumbs up, and you're going to leave nice, wonderful comments. That'd be all super and awesome. So uh, okay, so on the dais was UFC President Dana White, was Lorenzo Fertitta, CEO, and then COO, Chief of Operations. Um, Chief Operating Officer, anyway, uh, Lawrence Epstein, all three very bright guys. Um, what they announced was, one, that they needed to do better, that they had sort of laid out the testing they had done over the course of, I think, several years, and what it had looked like both in and out of competition. For in competition, they had had uh, something close to, um, uh, I think, 900 tests. Maybe it was 1,800, but whatever the case, it was. 50% of fighters had been tested over the course of a period of time. Um, and there was about a 1.1 to 1.3% failure rate, depending on what you were looking for. Now, as it related to out-of-competition testing, it was more than 25%, which is alarmingly high. If you look at some of the rates of being caught um, at the Olympics, which have very strict testing, it's still pretty low, 1.1, 2%. So the, so the in-competition test results for being caught match what they find for uh, other events with even strict standards, but the out-of-competition ones are like way above the normal. And so they basically said they had recognized that there was something that needed to be done. Dana White had spoke about some of the issues that already happened about John Jones and about Anderson Silva. He had clarified those things, but if you're plugged into the sport, then you already know about that. Okay. Um, what they proposed going forward were a few things. One, in competition, so when you show up on fight night, they want to test everyone. I think that means just your analysis. We'll have to get some clarification about that. But um, they want everyone tested there. For main eventers or championship fights, um, they want to have randomized testing related to that period in which they're going to compete. Now, that's still a period that you know is coming if you have a title fight announced, but it's a longer period. It's still a, a, a little bit more rigorous um, in terms of a screen. But the big one to me was... They want to have, on top of all of that, year-round for all fighters in the organization out of competition testing. Now, how many times those guys will be tested year-round? We don't know. Who's going to be doing the testing? They say it's going to be people uh, in a third-party organization. Could be USADA. Could be VADA. Um, we don't quite know just yet, but they're certainly working that out. Um, what they want to do is because this is a difficult issue. They don't really have jurisdiction on some level to propose some of these uh, penalties. They say they would potentially support a four-year ban if you get caught for a first-time offender. I think that's probably going to move closer to two. But what they think that they want to do is they want to have certain state governments, uh, Nevada in particular, um, adopt certain protocol that's more in keeping with these harsher penalties and then use that as sort of the baseline for maybe stuff out of the country, or if a person is tested out of competition but doesn't have a fight coming up, so it's not clear who has jurisdiction, um, that is coming as well. So, but th that's the that's the main one. 
That's the main idea. I think they said they've spent previously in the last year or two $500,000 on out-of-competition testing. That's going to go up to several million. They also stated that in terms of these enhanced testing procedures and protocol and screens, that they expect things to get worse before they get better in terms of guys getting caught, uh, fights being canceled. I don't see how anyone could possibly disagree with that. Um, an interesting, interesting way and day in the sport. Um, let me just make a couple of remarks here. Uh, and I think there's a lot to take in, and we'll, as we understand this more and see it played out, we'll have more of an understanding. First of all, number one, I made this point even before today. Um, UFC is far and away done more for regulating in combat sports than anyone. I made this point, like if you if you ask, what is the date today, the 18th? Today's the 18th. And you say, as a sport, I don't mean on the business side, I mean on the regulatory side, how did we get here today? How do we get to a point where you have three of the most powerful men in the sport on a dais in Las Vegas, or I think maybe just outside of Las Vegas, whatever, um, doing a presser where they're announcing an enhanced testing regimen that they've, oh, by the way, all this is supposed to go into effect July 1st, 2015. How do we get here? And we got here for a lot of different ways. But it used to be that these meetings were sealed or that the press found out about these things after the fact, that the only real testing that was done uh, was largely urine tests on fight night. And and I, I don't mean to say, how do we get here like as a culture? I mean, how do we get here? Like what series of events took place? Um, you can hear my pets, by the way. What series of events took place that brought us to this moment? I think a lot of different things. But the, the, the key one for me has to be the nature of TRT because it in, it forced upon us um, a, a closer examination of what was happening in the sport about guys sort of finding a legal loophole to things, about guys who had been caught, about guys who had been using and we didn't hear, about discovering that these medical records in Nevada were publicly available, about whether other states were using it, about guys having to get cornerman's license like Chael Sonnen but couldn't do it because they had failed drug tests but he was using testosterone, it wasn't announced. All these things really sort of began to come to the forefront at that moment, I think for a long time, laying back and uh, positioning the commission as the de facto screen was a sufficient answer. It's no longer a sufficient answer. Um, and I think, you know, there's been other things that have led us to that point, but I think through fan curiosity, access to information, and really the TRT was, I just think it was Pandora's box. I really truly believe it was Pandora's box that went kaboom. And there were other drug testing issues in other sports like, you know, Eric Morales and USADA and things like that. And, um, you know, of course, George St. Pierre and uh, Johnny Hendricks doing their whole bit. So there's been a number of, you know, um, factors working in confluence to bring those things to bear. But but that's how we got here to this moment. Again, series of events. But that was the that was the thing, the catalyst for change. And and so I guess what I mean is we take an even bigger picture of what has happened. When you look historically at what has happened in combat sports, and I'm going to remove wrestling because wrestling is it's tied to the Olympics or it's tied to the NCAA. It's not really part of this athletic commission experience. If you look at just the striking arts or the ones that are regulated by athletic commissions, who has done more for anti-doping than the UFC? Nobody. Nobody. You can't, it's a simple test. There's a promoter or an organization that has done more. I don't mean like a testing organization. I mean somebody who's in the for-profit business here. Who has done more? Name them. You can't name them. That does not mean that what UFC has done is in any way perfect or even maybe good. Uh, in fact, in some ways, you could look at that answer and say, that just shows you how far apart we are. And that maybe in, in the case of the Kung Lee situation, that they were you know half-assed in it at times. All, all these arguments, the two aren't mutually exclusive. You can both say that all the, that they've done is entirely insufficient, and you can also still say that puts them clearly ahead of everybody else. But it's the truth. It's the absolute truth. I believe, I think my fundamental point is this. If we are trying to, if we are trying to trace the arc of history and the trajectory that we are on, we are on a journey here. And this is simply our stage in the journey. Whatever they announce today, this is not going to be written in a stone tablet and brought out by some Messiah of God. It will also, over time, be amended, changed, rejiggered, however it needs to be. But the trajectory is pretty clear here. 
And so I know that there's going to be a lot of blame uh, put on UFC for maybe dragging their feet or obfuscating in other ways or whatever the case may be. But I would like to point out, and I think you have to, I really, I, I think it's important to make this point as part of the fundamental essence of the conversation. If you can point to me at somebody in combat sports that has done more, that has pushed the boundary um, in terms of forwarding the, the cause of anti-doping, name them, because I certainly cannot. You know, the answer is UFC far and away. Um, they are the vanguards here. And again, it's behind what it is in other industries, although with this new policy, maybe not so far, maybe not so far behind NFL. You know, NFL took until 2014 to catch LaRon Landry. I'm supposed to believe this is some robust testing program that they have there? Please be serious. It's not. It's absolutely not. MLBs is a little bit better. They had their own steroid moment. Um, NHL, I don't think, is particularly great, nor is the NBA. So this idea that, um, you know, uh, these other leagues have these vastly superior programs. MLB might have a case. But no one else really does, especially not with this new program being implemented, if, if that it gets implemented as it is. And I think we really have to take a, 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 an awareness of history. Um, maybe combat sports is the dirtiest relative to other sports and that you want to you want to hedge what I'm saying about UFC by taking a grander picture about, well, their standards are only here and everyone else's standards are here. We can have that conversation, too. But I'm simply pointing out to you, I think it's getting better. Uh, I think we're on a journey. I think we're on a path. I think it's one foot in front of the other. And the UFC is at the front of that line. These are these are just simply indisputable facts. And I think we should acknowledge UFC's role in that. To, to not give them that courtesy or simply that historical acknowledgement, for lack of a better description, is just purposeful malpractice. It is. Um, so there's that. On the other hand, that does not absolve them from criticism. That does not absolve them from inspection. That does not absolve them from scrutiny. All of those things are also still totally relevant. And so there are probably many takeaways to this. It was not clear whether all the tests would be blood and urine or just one or the other. Um, some of these collection policies are going to have to be sort of examined. Uh, again, how many times a year are these guys going to be tested? You know, and I'm, not, I'm not just talking about the in-competition ones that we know about, or for main eventers or championship fights, I mean the out-of-competition for everybody. Are you going to get tested twice, once? What's it going to be? Uh, once is better than nothing, but is it really enough? So we can have all of those conversations too. The one that, uh, two of the points that stuck out to me, one, and and I think the UFC is 100% right to mention this, uh, at least to put pressure, if not outright demand. I don't know if you can outright demand, but at least to put pressure, they're saying, look at what we're doing we want the rest of the players in combat sports, including boxing, top rank, golden boy, uh, Al Heyman's new outfit, PBC, to do more. Now, they didn't mention them by name, but they wanted other players in combat sports to do more. And I have to be honest, I think Scott Coker is a promotional genius. I really do. I mentioned it before on this live chat. I think whatever I mentioned before, what Scott Coker does works. There's no doubt about it. But I have to say, I have found his answers on drug testing to be totally insufficient and frankly, anachronistic, right? The answers you would have given 10 years ago. This ain't 10 years ago. It's just not. And I know Bellator, I've, I've excused them because I've made the point. If you, if you, if you accept that UFC has had 90% of the best fighters, then what they do matters because if, if only 10% are getting tested in some sort of advanced way and UFC wasn't, you still have 90% of the fighters not being tested. So what UFC does matters far and away the most. But I have to say, they are absolutely right to say, you work for a Viacom-backed organization and you're giving us answers from 2005-era uh, um, realities. This ain't 2005. It's just not. And you are absolutely right to ask more questions about Scott Coker's stance on um, uh, regulatory mechanisms for testing. Fact. It's just the truth. Um, so there's that. Like, what will this lead to in terms of other um, organizations doing more? And I don't know whether it'll have much effect in boxing. They're not so brand forward. I mean, UFC is very brand forward, very brand specific. Top rank and Golden Boy, uh, they want brand visibility, but not nearly to the same extent. Um, it's mostly for insiders and to create a skeletal organization in which to operate. The other key takeaway that I had from this, uh, and there'll be more along the lines, but I mean my immediate reaction is um, the independent contractor status. Um, he's a very bright man. Lawrence Epstein, chief operating officer, had said that there's going to be some jurisdictional issues. It's why they like working with commissions as opposed to working over their heads because they have the legal authority and oversight over these things. So when they test and catch, it's all within that legal 
um, framework. When they do it, they might have some legal authority here and there, but it begins to get a little bit dicier depending on what kind of test and what kind of result, result and what kind of fighter and what kind of status. So, uh, and I think that's a fine answer. I think that totally makes sense. But I think Brett Akamoto asked him, or maybe it was Kevin Ioli, I can't remember exactly, what are you gonna do if a fighter doesn't have a fight lined up, is in their home state, and then you get one of those larger out of competition tests and it catches them, who has authority there? And I mentioned what they had intended to do, but one other thing that he said was they're gonna try and strengthen their contracts with the athletes to give them uh, some of the power to regulate them and suspend them in that kind of way. That to me was a little bit troubling. Now I need to hear what he means by that. I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, I, I've actually already asked for an interview with him. I, I put, I, once he said that, I sent out an email immediately because um, I wanna know what that means. But to me, uh, he made this point that the athletes were well, on, on, on a previous question, but he had articulated this, that these fighters are independent contractors. They're not employees. And when they're employees, there's more you can ask of them, but there's more you have to give back in the form of, you know, uh, taxes and Social Security and retirement and um, maternity leave and all kinds of different things you have to do. It's a much more onerous, burdensome relationship for an employer to have employees versus independent contractors. You know, guys, I mentioned this before with the uniforms. It's not the uniform per se. It's not the health insurance per se. It's not one thing or the other. It's a body of things put together. You have to ask yourself, well, what are these guys? If you are, if you can be subject to a two or four year ban from the sport, you can't work, right? You have exclusive contracts. That's what you have. You have uh, health insurance on some level. You're not being required to wear uniforms. It is, a, it is not inappropriate or in any way antagonistic to ask, are we really talking about employees here or are we talking about independent contractors? It's not, it's, not a, it's not a dumb question. It's not an idle question. You have to ask, what are you? Because I think we can all agree the UFC is trying to put their best foot forward in enacting newer, stiffer, more comprehensive testing policies that I think most people are in favor of, that are in keeping with what other sports organizations in, in large part try to do, or in some cases outright do. These are all good things, but the mechanism by which you get there needs to be examined. And if you're then usurping more power from independent contractors to make these things possible, I think it's a noble goal, but means don't justify the end. You have to do this in concert with the fighters. Um, and, and I am a little bit um, concerned about whether or not fighters are having more of their independent contractor status sort of existentially challenged by policies like this. I think that is an important thing to consider. It's an important part of the whole debate here about the whole discussion. And so that's where we are. There's many, 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 many more takes to this. We will have much more comprehensive coverage. My dog wants to say hi. Come here, buddy. Say hi. Do you guys see that New York Times thing? Do you look like your owner? Do we, we look alike, don't we? Say hi. What's up? It's Barbas, by the way. B-A-R-B-A-S, which is Spanish for beards. So, so these are my immediate takes. Uh, I, again, uh, let's see if they even reply to my Lawrence Epstein interview request. Probably not so fast. No, not 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 right away. Um, okay, well, whatever. These are your takes. Uh, let's go to the Twitter machine real quickly, and then see what folks got. Um, let's see. The UFC has made promises before and failed to deliver on them. I feel the press conference was lip service. It'll only be lip service if after the fact they have done nothing uh, or what this, this was all some sort of concocted lie, which I have a hard time believing. Now, whether they'll, again, I mentioned it before, I think some of these policies are going to be amended. Some might be strengthened. Some might be weakened. Some might be abandoned altogether. But I think that I have a hard time believing that we leave this place today either marginally different uh, or in some ways worse. I think we'll be substantively more effective. Um, that's that's sort of that's that's I think the positional we're at. Again, I, I I see a lot of consternation on Twitter. I think if you want to have consternation about what these policies might do to the sport, what what would a two year ban do to the sport? They acknowledged up front it's going to get worse before it gets better. How many main events are going to get canceled? How many fights are going to get pulled? How many cards are going to have to get just yanked? What's going to happen? They said they're prepared for this. That they have that they are a strong brand. The UFC. If, if there's one thing about UFC, you have to give them for better or for worse, and mostly for the better. They have an, an unflappable belief in themselves and an unflappable belief in their brand. They truly, truly believe that that brand can do things um, that, that skeptics simply can't comprehend. And in many ways, uh, they're right. In many ways, they're right. Um, 
But I, I see a lot of consternation on Twitter. I have many, many questions about what this is going to do to the sport, about whether it will um, hurt the level of fighting, about whether it will dramatically reduce the number of uh, good cards because you know, you're know you already super stretched thin. Again, in a perfect world, no injuries, no PEDs. You barely have enough to fill the cards that you have, right? Barely. And even then, probably not really, right? Okay, that's, that's, the, that's the state of the, of the world. They've overextended themselves in my estimation. And there's a lot of filler there. You add in injuries, that becomes more problematic. And you add in what I think is, if they match what they said today, um, and I think they have an, every intention to do so, that's an even further complicating factor into delivering a product. Will this inevitably force them to reevaluate how much product they can reasonably offer? We have seen if the month of January proved anything, I don't mean on the, the, the testing side, I mean on the entertainment side, the UFC has proven that if they put their best foot forward, the market will respond. If you give them stars, people watch. People want to see stars. They want to see big fights. They want to see the sort of things that are the higher end of the sport. The higher end of the sport is a very compelling thing, even in 2015, post-Brock Lesnar era, uh, post-Ultimate Fighter having its peak, all that stuff. All that stuff still works. It's all it's all right there. Um, what will this do? What will this do? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Um I'm willing to entertain a bunch of different theories, but I wonder if after two years of having several main events, okay, so I said 25% we're getting cost. Uh, we're getting caught. Let's sort of, let's say it's bump it to 30, right? Because they're going to do even more testing now. Let's bump it to 30. That means three out of every 10, you know, uh, fights that they catch would be, would be gone. Three of 10. That's just that. That's not counting injuries or whatever the case. And that's just the out of competition ones. Not including in competition tests that also catch people, although that seems to be a relatively marginal figure. But even that's increasing in number now, too. UFC, by the way, said if a commission couldn't pay for it, that they would then pick up the slack. So here's my point about all of this. It's not just like from a regulatory mechanism what they're doing. It's from a resources commitment. You can have whatever issues you want with this, I suppose, unless you think the whole thing is a phony hoax. But assuming you don't think it's a phony hoax, who among you is is going to challenge the idea that in the world of combat sports there is someone who is doing more for anti-doping than UFC. Who is that going to be? Because I cannot possibly fat Gary Shaw, um, Oscar De La Hoya, Scott Coker, um, Jeremy Lappin, Roy Engelbrecht. Um, who? Who is it? They don't exist. They don't exist. The sport has never been cleaned up. Well, welcome to the reckoning. Because it's coming. This is this is the this is the it appears to be. I mean, I guess we'll see in the end. This appears to be uh, the come to Jesus moment. This is the reckoning. You have summoned the winds. Now listen to them howl. So that's where we are. Um, I'm happy to hear your takes on Twitter. If you want to uh, send them to me at SBN Luke Thomas. Someone asked, what do you think about Anderson Silva still being the number one ranked middleweight fighter? Um, I haven't I haven't thought much about it, to be honest. Uh, if they want to remove them from the rankings due to this issue, I wouldn't have a problem. Uh, how do you evaluate the win over Nick Diaz? Because he's not a true middleweight. He wasn't ranked there. How much spot did he lose before? Um, but maybe one's probably a bit high, but top five is probably certainly justified. How does this new drug testing policy affect fighters in medical marijuana or legal pot states? Don't know. We're going to have to find out. Although Dana White had made a point that out of competition testing is not supposed to get guys for drugs of recreation. We will see if that holds up. That doesn't fundamentally change the problem that in competition testing via your analysis that we mentioned for years, I have mentioned this does not tell you when they used. It only tells you that they used. So I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen there. We will have to sit there and find out. Are they lengthening the in-competition time? It's 12 hours from the event. So a 12-hour window from the event. I read that on uh, USADA's page uh, a couple of days ago. Um, let's go to, if we can, the uh, the questions here. I might start at the bottom um, since we're still, everyone's kind of hot and bothered by this whole situation. Let's see what we got here. Uh, 
Uh, Nick Diaz, will all the enhanced testing and penalties, where does this leave Nick Diaz in his situation? Will there be any additional suspensions or fines against him? I think what's already happened prior to today, we can sort of map that out. He's going to get screwed royally. Um, they're going to they're gonna rake him over the coals. It's unfortunate. As you know, I'm an advocate for the Nick Diaz's case. I think that Nick Diaz's case highlights some of the problems with commission oversight. Um, if you're going to penalize a guy and damage his career, you better damn well be able to prove it. If you're not using the test to prove it, then what are you doing? It's my basic challenge to the athletic commission. Um, but I think what's already happened, we can map that out. What might happen in the future, we'll have to see. Uh, oh, by the way, someone asked me about this. Can we talk about the booking of Aldo versus McGregor to headline the July 11th card over the the higher weight championship bout of Robbie versus Rory? As you know, UFC has a policy. If they've got two different title fights on a card, what they want is the bigger weight class to then headline. So, of course, the welterweights would typically headline over the featherweights. I have zero problem with them putting Aldo McGregor in front. Is it not the bigger fight? End of discussion. I made this point on the MMA beat last week where you had Pitbull after beating Strauss going up to Coker and saying, I want to be in the tent pole event. And maybe that I think that had affected Scott Coker because he said, you know, he had done so much and these tent pole events matter and these guys want to be on there. But there was nothing wrong with putting a title fight necessarily on. Um, Friday night on Spike TV. What's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that. Now, maybe there's a cases for putting things on bigger events when it makes sense, but you don't always have to do both. Or if a guy has fought on TV and done really well, maybe you graduate him to a pay-per-view or whatever the case may be. Point being was there's many different ways in which you can present a title fight. And if the UFC wants to start tinkering with that format a little bit, I have no problem. There is absolutely no doubt in my mind that the most anticipated featherweight fight, at least from a promotional standpoint, in the history of the sport deserves higher treatment than Robbie Lawler versus Roy McDonald, which was their first time out, a great three-round fight, no doubt about it. And maybe it'll end up being better than the last one, and maybe it'll even be better than Aldo versus McGregor. Who knows? But in the end, if they're making choices about fan responsiveness, about fan input, I fail to see the issue. No issue with that at all. But the rule, the rule was again. These rules never last. They're, they don't stand the test of time for a reason. It makes all the sense in the world to put at the top of your bill the things that people most want to see. This is not complicated. I can't imagine why anyone have an issue with this. Someone says Barbas for the MMA beat seat. Yeah, it's funny, Barbas. Come here, Chicho. Vamos. You're being requested. All right. You think GSP being enticed to come back to a cleaner sport alone could pay for all the annual drug testing expenses they are looking at now? Um, I don't think that GSP alone could make much of a difference one way or the other. In fact, he might you know, be good for an event or two or three. Who knows how many he really has left. But I think the bigger question for me is we, they're going to spend millions trying to now test people with the in-competition ones where commissions can't do the job. They're going to have the larger out-of-competition testing. They're going to have the sort of out-of-competition one for headliners and title fights. Um, and then all the costs associated with having guys fall out. They are, they are going to spend a ton of money. Again, if you can point to the folks who have done more for anti-doping in combat sports uh, outside of wrestling or judo, where you know it's completely separate regulatory mechanism? Uh, let me know. I'll be I'll be right here. You can email me at luke.thomas@sbnation.com. I would love to hear an answer about who has done more. You can have criticisms about the policies. You can you can lambast them for their inadequacies, but they are far and away out in front of everyone. They are about to lose a lot of money doing. There's just no doubt about it. I'm not saying they're going to lose all their money or they won't net make money in a year, anybody, but they're going to lose some money. They're going to lose some serious, serious cash. New UFC drug testing means for guys like GSP and older fighters. I've always thought GSP was on PEDs during his time in the UFC. This is not me saying this. This is the, this is the reader. Uh, I know he's a fan favorite, but 
for most, but do you think it's a good idea for him to come back before I discuss this? Also, I'm in no way going to comment on that. Um, UFC is 500K for drug testing. Seems a bit small to brag about during the press conference for a company self-valued at over a billion dollars. Uh, I certainly would say it underscores the need for more. Yeah. Um, Metamorphos, Eddie Bravo, Invitational. Luke, I know you were, at, you were asked about Metamorphos' five date recently. What is the reasoning for the delay in this event? I don't know. I asked if it was a money issue, and they said no. So I don't know if that's a, the truth. I don't know if my source is the best, but there you go. Uh, any leads as to fighter bookings? I haven't heard. Oh, no, I did hear some, but I can't say, actually. Uh, your thoughts on the Eddie Bravo Invitational and its viability on the national scene? I don't think jiu-jitsu on any level has much of a spectator sport future beyond a few things like metamorph super fights or um you know the finals of the black belt finals of the ibjjf worlds but uh, all right say goodbye buddy say goodbye yes i know you're the sweetest dog in the world but your breath absolutely reeks um but i will say i've watched eddie bravo invitational and i love it i'm not one of these guys who's a big rubber guard guy uh, i'm not one of these guys who's a big um you know, all right, well, submission only is the only way forward. Submission only has a lot of value. It's great. It's an awesome way to do an event. I totally love it. I, and I and I particularly like um, Eddie Bravo's way of adjudicating the finals when there's, you know, uh, about, you know, uh, guys starting in certain positions and who can and who can either get out the fast and the, uh, the fastest and then they add up all the time or who can get subbed out in that amount of time as well. Yeah, you look up the rules for EBI's. Um, uh, uh, policies when there's a when there's a when there's a uh, when they exceed the time limit. I'll put it that way. It's great. Um, is there anyone getting a stream yet? Blah 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 blah. Four year ban. Luke is a four year ban from the sport realistically enforceable? I intend to find out. I absolutely intend to find out. I, I, in the end, I don't think four is really going to happen. Two might. Two might because even Dana White and Lorenzo Fertitta said at, the, at, at today's presser that you know nine months is just simply not enough. They said that. Can you believe that? Like that's a monumental shift for them to say that. To say the current way in which most states do this for first-time offenders is simply inadequate. Whoa. <laughs> that that's we've been waiting to hear. This is like it's uh, I don't want to bring up that because it's uh, it's nice to hear things that you know to be true and aren't verified. To make you realize you're not crazy everyone knew nine months is simply inadequate not that it's an insignificant amount of time but it's not nearly significant enough and to finally hear the ufc come out and say these are inadequate screens for deterring ped use is like okay great we're now all operating under the same premises here we can we can argue about which way to go and which policies are effective but at least we're all sharing the same ideas for the most part, at least on that level. Um, at last, Lawler versus Rory Mack. Luke, what do you think about this fight? I don't know. Lawler, uh, Lawler's interesting. He starts strong, fades, and then ends end strong. And I think that might be bad for, for Rory, who's sort of like this, you know. Uh, any prediction that fighters will want to sign with other promotions to avoid the extra testing and harsher punishments for positives? that the UFC will impose in and out of competition? Good question. Good question. Are people now going to be more, if 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 Bellator or World Series of Fighting or wherever the case may be, doesn't want to do more enhanced testing um, or can't, right? Like World Series of Fighting, they, they don't have the money to do more enhanced testing. So I think pressuring them to do more is simply unrealistic, right? Um, but Bellator is in a bit of a different spot. And again, you can look at it two ways. One, they have a Viacom backing. Or two, they have a Viacom backing, but they need to be making money on their own. If they're not making money on their own, this is problematic, and they can't afford to yet incur more expenses that delay further the ability to, to, uh, to, to make some cash. Whatever way you want to look at that, I think you can add, uh, adopt both sides of the debate. But um, if they don't end up making any changes, for those who can, does that entice people to then sign with those organizations to have a competitive advantage? We're going to find out. It's, it, these are questions that this, the speculation is hard to say. I think in the end, probably not. At least not to a dramatic degree. But you might get a few. You might get a few. Let's see here. 
Nick Diaz request blood tests post-fight, like placing a stipulation in his contract to protect him in future bouts, proving he's not under the influence of marijuana. That is an interesting idea. That is a very interesting idea. Um, it might be, if I were in California and I had a medical marijuana license uh, or you know prescription, or however the, the legalese and uh, mechanism works in California, I'm not entirely certain. You get a prescription and I don't know if it gives a little bit, whatever. Whatever the case may be, if I had that, the prescription from a doctor to then use medical marijuana, I would be interested in putting a, a clause like that in my contract. That for post-fight tests, for any in-competition tests, they need to be blood. Um, and if I made money like Nick Diaz, I would even offer to pay for him. All fighters are not going to be able to do that. But just think of this realistically. If you're Nick, that's a, well, that's a genius idea, by the way. This is from Film Ninja. That's their screen name. Good job, Film Ninja. That's a smart idea. Um, I don't know that he can, although I suppose those things would not be impossible. But if I were him, I would try this. Because if you think about it logically, if you do the urinalysis in competition and they catch you because you smoked a week out, which is in no way illegal, but if they, you know, uh, you, you, it still is in your system because you're a chronic user, and then they bust you, think about what it does to your career especially if you're a multiple-time offender, they're going to take hundreds of thousands of dollars from you. They're going to rob you of the ability to compete. They're going to zap your interest in the sport. They're going to label you a user. Why not go out and have that? Now, the question is whether or not the Athletic Commission will um, recognize that as a valid test. But if you're paying for it and you're going to ask them to administer it, uh, and this is something you could work out ahead of time, I wonder. I wonder. But I think as we've seen... the if that Faber versus Rivera situation from yesterday underscores anything, it's that if it's not on the books in the tightest, strict constructionist kind of way, um, UFC, not, sorry, not UFC, Nevada's commission might have a hard time accepting it. So I don't know. I don't know. It's a good question. It's something worth investigating. Like, let's get out in front of this. I'll let you look inside my body to see what's up there. You, the state of Nevada, as I mentioned before, this is already used by law enforcement in some particular cases. They'll measure the amount of marijuana in your blood at one time. Um, that's a funny, interesting thing. I'm, I'll, you know what? I'll, that's, that's such a good question. I'm going to look into it. I don't know. Um, says, I think this is going to lead us to an era of super drugs and gene doping. I don't see this type of testing being beneficial for more than a few years. And to guys like Anderson, with all the money... What? With all that money, taking cheap gear seems like a waste. Well, certainly it's not going to deter everyone. And certainly this is going to force the guys at the higher end who can afford it to take designer steroids that don't show up on tests, that get out of your system easily, or other performance-enhancing drugs that are of a designer nature that can elude testing. This is not going to eliminate cheating. This is not going to eliminate using. This isn't and it's going to ruin a couple of careers along the way, assuming that it's implemented in the way in which they stated today. This is a fact. Somebody's life is going to get ruined over this. Somebody's career is going to be like, Jesus, man, what happened? My cat's over here just being a cat. Hear that? He's eating a box. <laughs> you are a feral animal. Um, so, yeah, there's going to be some of that. There's going to be some of that. There's no doubt about it. And again, I, I think the biggest question here is not the UFC's intentions. It's not the UFC's goals. I think these are all fairly noble, interesting, and at least um, debate-worthy, right? Not, you can't dismiss it. But I am a little concerned about the statutory authority. I'm a little concerned about the regulatory mechanism. And I'm a little concerned about what it says about whether these guys are independent contractors in real life or whether they are employees. Because... Uh, you know, health insurance plus uniform plus exclusivity plus two-year to potentially four-year ban. These are things you can do to an employee, not to a independent contractor. Um, unless I'm misunderstanding things. Because if they're saying they need to strengthen the contract, even the existing arrangements don't provide that oversight, what does the bridge look like? You know, but again, if they just doubled fighter pay, I probably... <laughs> I probably wouldn't have too much of, a, of an issue with it if I'm just being honest, but that's just me. Um, let's go back to some of these other questions here on the Twitter machine, if we can. 
Lots of evidence to suggest steroids make permanent beneficial changes in athletes' bodies. Will penalties be longer? There's no way to really test for that or to go back in time for maybe somebody who hasn't been caught. Now, to the question about people who have been caught and previously used and maybe have stopped using but still carry those benefits, um, it's a difficult question because they've already got the advantage. They've, they're keeping some of them as they move forward, even if they're currently meeting um, all their testing and uh, guidelines. It's tough. I think the only way to do that is to make is to again. We have to just move on from the past and start here. And when you start here and you have new penalties, harsher penalties, more robust substantive penalties, um, then and only then can you make these debate questions a little bit different. But trying to uh, take previous realities and make it work with with future aspirations, I think, is not going to work. Um, all right. Do you think UFC will pull the plug <clears throat> on airing NSAC meetings? Haven't seen one yet to make NSAC look good. No, I don't. I actually think the NSAC likes it, and it's good for transparency. Uh, with a lot of the big UFC money earners possibly not returning, GSP Silva Diaz, can they afford any more losses? Well, afford them or not, they're coming. They're coming. Somebody famous, uh, maybe not at the level of Anderson Silva because there's not that many at that level, they're going to pop too. Guys, they implemented a testing policy. But understand, currently now, there's a rate of usage across the sport, across weight classes, probably varying to some degree depending on which camp you're in, which city you live in, which uh, how your age, whatever. There's probably some variance along those lines. But there's a current state of use. That's what we have right now. So every time somebody pops, I don't get upset or angry about it. I don't think it's, oh, my God, the problem's getting worse. No, the problem is already what it is. Probably pretty bad. These are simply discoveries of what has is, is happening. There, it's a window into the, the real world of use. It, it doesn't mean that use is spiking. Um, so, 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 so understand that. Um, but in order to get to a place where usage is less, we have to go through an additional discovery phase, a much longer discovery phase, and a discovery phase that borrows a mechanism of punitive action that according to UFC, will help deter future users. Uh, whether this is the right one, I don't know. But again, understand something. We are on a, I can't be effing clear about this. We are on a journey. This is just the next step. This policy is going to be amended one way or the other. One way or the other, it's different aspects are going to be abandoned, strengthened, altered. You get the idea. Insane animals I have in this in this house. Um, so we need to follow where that's going to go. We need to see what's going to happen with that. We need to understand that these are this is a project in motion. This is not the finality of the project. And as it changes, so will the so will the project, and so will the uh, the, the 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 state of the reality of uh, of usage in, in combat sports. Rumors about Zingano failing a test. Uh, I've heard the rumors as well, but I cannot corroborate them. So as I understand them today, they're simply just that, rumors. Let's see what else we got. Does Brock Lesnar go in the UFC Hall of Fame? Uh, who cares? Um, let's see. How would a completely data-driven algorithm do in forecasting MMA fights against a human expert? Many of those have been created, and they've been very bad. Um, there was one a few years ago written by, oh, I forget his name now, very bright guy, and I think he had a really good idea. But I think what they found with these modeling situations for predictive outcomes in MMA is that there's not a lot of value. Does UFC 184 deserve all the heat it is getting? Yes, it is not a very good card. Why July 1st? Giving fighters time to cycle off? No, because you can't just create these pro these programs out of scratch. They don't know who's going to do the testing yet. They need to have to set up probably, they're probably going to have to do some internal hiring to find a director of the program. They're going to have to create a workflow. They're going to have to um, have someone work over the budget. I mean, this, these, this is a, they've created now a separate internal arm 
probably with maybe Mark Ratner at the head of it. Um, but this is now an, an additional workload for them. These things take time to build. You have to build the program. As I mentioned before, they may not have the statutory authority on their current contracts with athletes to be able to get to get to that next level. So it's lots of different moving parts. The fact that it's not being you know, implemented until July should in no way be surprising or suspicious. Um, that is entirely uninteresting to me. Someone says, in cycling, riders have medical passports and are tested against them continuously to keep things honest. We, we, we might get to that level again, 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 again. We might get to that level. This is a step in the journey. This is the next step. And we're going to get a new reality. And maybe it will be enough and folks will say, this is great. Or maybe it won't be. But either way, we, we are in a continuous motion of history. This is merely just one stop on the, on the trip. Here we this is my cat. <laughs> All right, get out of here. His name is Moko. Um, let's go back to the uh, questions on the live chat. Surely the next guy to get done for steroids is getting made a major example of. Also, how stupid would fighters have to be to think they can get away with it now? Or am I being too naive? You're being too naive. There are definitely some guys who are going to get caught. It's inevitable. There might be many guys who get caught because they simply think, oh, I won't get busted. Um, these sorts of things are inevitable. So, yeah, the next person that gets caught, they're going to be like, great job. You really just ruined your career. Smart. Um, lots of questions about the DS suspension. Do you think it's a bit hypocritical for the NSAC to make an example out of Diaz? When they messed up in the first place and put his health at risk by, of course, getting the results after the fact for, uh, what you call it, for um, Anderson Silva's positive test. Uh, I, I, the, Dana White came out and basically sort of stated that the Athletic Commission, <laughs> I got gifts for there, my wife, the cat's going through the bags. The Athletic Commission um, didn't get the results in time to make those kinds of assessments and therefore couldn't have reasonably informed Nick Diaz. He was adamant, in fact, that they would never let a fighter go if they knew he was on steroids. They got the results after the fact. I will take them at their word um, and, and let that be that. I mean, if there's so many other issues to, to, to address relative to what's happening here versus sort of idly speculating or accu accusing people with no real evidence that they have done X, Y, or Z. Certainly that the test results should have been in before the fight. I agree with you, but that they weren't um, alters our ability to have different forms of criticism. There's still criticisms we can make that they should have, that they were negligent by not doing that. But we—that's a different argument than you knew and then you let this happen. That's a—that's a—that's a greater degree of, frankly, negligence and malfeasance. And without corresponding evidence, I'm simply unwilling to follow that line of argument. I also have another dog, by the way, but she's shy. She's two different color eyes, half husky, half chow. She's huge. Um, and she's beautiful, but she's a little shy. Let's see. With the Reebok deal getting closer, any news on who is doing the official rankings? Um, I actually had a conversation about this the other day, but we don't know the answer to it. Just that they are still interested in um, fixing the rankings, but I don't think the rankings are fixable, at least for what UFC wants to use them for. I don't, it's, it's a, it's a, it's the, the, the idea of fixing them is an impossibility. Um, happiest man today has to be Rory McDonald caught his current opponent cheating and parlayed it into a title fight. In the words of Bruce Allen here in Washington, DC, that's called winning off the field. Your animals are awesome. They should be featured more. Maybe they have some opinions on MMA. Um, Someone makes fun of me and says, we're on a journey, we're on a journey, and the cat eats box in the background. Story of my life, dude. Story of my life. I don't have nice TV sets. What can I say? Uh, let's see. What is the power structure like in the UFC? From what I've seen, that Lorenzo often deals with business uh, mechanics side of things and also the regulatory side. Dan is the figurehead of the company as a promoter, and Frank is less involved. 
The Fatigas put up the money to buy UFC. So what do you know in terms of power rankings inside the UFC? This is not something that I think a lot of people are privy to. I do think there's a collaborative effort, as you mentioned. Uh, Lorenzo has a uh, leading role in um, international expansion um, and securing television deals and securing regulatory oversight. Um, that's been a big component of what he does. And that's true to an extent here as well. Um, Dana White seems to be making a lot of decisions about um, um, different ways in which the business is run from a presentation side of things to matchmaking to, I'm sure he has deals and uh, saying all those deals, he's the president of the company after all. Um, so there's that as well. I, I'm too far away to give you a much of an inside look, although the only thing I remember, and this is years ago, so who knows how much A, he was right or B, how much has changed, but I'll just tell you what he told me. Do you remember the article in the Atlantic Magazine years ago following Rampage before the Forrest Griffin fight? Uh, I had that author on my radio show and what he said was, as he was asking, because he got like backstage access and, and you know, it took him a while to write the article. Again, this is what he said. So I, you know, take it for what it's worth, which you could be totally wrong. And I have suspicion, to I have reason to believe that his view of things is incomplete. But what he said was, he would ask people, hey, who does this in the company? Who does this in the company? And who does that in the company? And more often than not, the answer that he got was Lorenzo. So um, he thought that Lorenzo had a much more prominent behind the scenes role than what was publicly acknowledged. Uh, I'm not in a position to verify those claims, but that, that was his assessment of things. Um, this keeps coming up, so I just want to put this to bed. There was a video that came out of Ronda Rousey and BJ Penn rolling. And maybe I'm not supposed to say this, but I'm just gonna. Everyone was like, oh my God, look how good Rousey did. Um, as I understand it from someone who was actually there, after that, uh, Penn picked up the intensity and uh, Molly walked her for a while that had no trouble with her. If you notice when he's grip fighting, he doesn't even have, he's not even bent over. He's just sort of like doing this. When you're grip fighting, man, you have to have the sleeves up, elbows in, you're hunched over, you know. Um, and he wasn't doing any of that. Uh, and and I, I have it from a person who was there who was like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. This was a beating. And it was Penn doing the one handing the beatings out. So, you know, but this is not an indictment on Rousey. This is not one of these things where you're like, oh, my God, you know, she lost to Penn. You're supposed to. A judoka who, even as good as her, is not going to come in and beat a jiu-jitsu world champion in rolling. It's not. It's not going to happen. You ever seen? Um, you ever seen footage of Marcelo Garcia rolling with Jimmy Pedro? It is one-sided. Now, if it was a judo competition, Penn would be getting torched. Of course, no doubt about it. You know, this is that's the way the world's supposed to work. It doesn't mean Rousey's a bad grappler or that she can't hold her own or that she's not awesome. We know she's awesome. She has a bronze medal and a UFC belt. Her resume is great. It's set. She's really good. That she can't beat a specialist man who's heavier than her, who, you know, was the first American to ever win the world championships. That should not be a surprise to anybody. That's the way it's supposed to be. So ease up with all this, oh, my God, you know, Rousey better than Penn and jiu-jitsu. No, but that's not like an indictment on Rousey. Injuries and PEDs, do you think a correlation between the increased drug testing uh, and the increased string of injuries. Since PEDs are probably used by athletes to recover from or prevent injuries during training, is it possible we'll see even more injuries when some fighters stop using? This is something we have to monitor very closely. Because if there is a deterrent effect, and if, again, these are, follow me here, these are ifs. If the new testing policy has a deterrent effect, and if incidence of use is as high as we think it is, let's say 50 to 60%, that it logically follows that fighters who got get off of it uh, uh, or don't ever use it, who maybe ordinarily would have, um, they're going to get more injured. I don't see how you can avoid that um, because I know it is quite certain. I don't know anyone personally, but it is certain that you have if you talk to fighters. There are all kinds of guys out there using things to help them recover from training, right? Maybe that's what Anderson Silva was doing. We don't know, but it's possible. So, so this will be, this is going to, if they follow on their word, and we have every intention and reason to believe that they do, if they follow on the, on the this, this is going to fundamentally change the sport. Fundamentally. Maybe for worse, maybe for better, maybe for better in some ways and worse in others. 
but it will it will be a new not so much tomorrow but in a metaphorical way it will be a new tomorrow with this one no doubt about it no doubt about it frank mirror should frank lose this weekend do you think that would be the end of the road for him i, I would hope i have a tremendous amount of frank mirror uh or respect for frank mirror um if anyone can send us to him i would love to do a technique talk with frank mirror frank mirror does technique breakdowns but more what i like technique theory discussions probably better than almost anyone in mma uh outside of chael son and with his expertise in wrestling Frank Mir is a beast when it comes to that. And I really, really, really wish I could model that and have some of that and do some of that. Um, so, yes, but I mean, if you look at the string of losses, the way in which he's lost, the way in which he's looked physically ineffectual, um, you know, it'd probably be time for him to do something different. And, you know, just not from a, are you taking too much damage standpoint, but can you realistically compete even if you're not? Um, and, uh, you know, what's the upside here from continuing? Seems relatively little, if, if in fact he loses. But even if he wins, the end is still not too far away. It's not like if he wins that all, you know fundamentally transforms his reality. His reality, the the train towards retirement has already left the station, and it's fairly close to it. This might slow the path down, but we're still getting there. Why haven't we seen any fighters sign with Bellator? We've seen Coker bring up how they can afford anyone, and with the example supplied by Gill, you'd think fighters would be more testing the market. Fighters can't just go out there and test the market. Your contract has to be up. It's a simple proposition. Have you fulfilled the terms of your contract? Yes or no? How many fights do you have left on it? Let's see. And then do you go and sign a new deal? Moreover, even if you fulfilled the terms of your contract, maybe Bellator doesn't want you. Someone was asking in a previous chat. Now, I haven't spoken to Bellator about this, but I bet you they would be a little bit hesitant to sign someone like Phil Davis, not because he's not great or an awesome guy or a good dude in life and a tax-paying citizen. He may be all those things, and he's a great fighter. He's not necessarily the most exciting guy to see in the world. And as a consequence, I wonder if Bellator really wants to invest in a guy like that um, just to say they can have one. Well, we have one of the best line heavy, heavyweights in the world. Okay, great. What does that get you? To me, it's not coincidental they signed with someone like Kimbo Slice, who is not good at all, but, boy, he's great at bringing eyeballs. So understand the dynamic there. A, there has to be a free agent in order for you to compete with one, and B, it has to make sense for Bellator's needs. So give it time. Um, I'll do one more. Gustafson appealed for a PET test, a PED test of Anthony Johnson prior to UFC on Fox 14. Almost four weeks after the fight, the results are still shrouded in mystery. In the reflection of the debacle, wouldn't you be suspicious? Um, I will look into that. I'll put it that way. I'll look into that. Is there any UFC fighter that pops hot for PEDs that would legitimately surprise you? Um, Ronda Rousey, anyone that was involved with the Olympics, so Cormier or obviously Henderson had the TRT issue, but you know, he's, whatever, he's a different case. Uh, so Cormier, Rousey, um, Cruz I'd be surprised by. But there aren't many I'd be surprised by. And again, it's not a function of, I think, and I told this to uh, the MMA beat crew last week, and I heard people on Sherdog forums got mad at me for this. I don't know how you could possibly argue against this. I really, And I truly mean it. It's not like, I'm not presenting to you, I don't think anything is controversial. Um, I think a lot of these guys make a cost-benefit analysis. What is my chance of getting caught? Okay, what are the benefits? Does it matter to me? Do I think my opponent's using? And if you add up all those things in the previous, or I should say existing, uh, regulatory space, you can make a case for yourself, even though it's unethical, for cheating. Forget forget that there it's against the rules. Is it beneficial to you? And if the answer is yes, I think a lot of guys are going to be like, well, you know what, there you go. Is it required for me to have safety because I don't trust anybody else? Yeah, maybe, maybe so. Not doesn't make it right, but I can see why that's, that's not an illogical conclusion. And then when you see someone like Chael Sonnen, this was my initial point, if you see someone like Chael Sonnen, who has done so well, despite having done so poorly and other things, about having been, been fired and having his name dragged through the mud and, um, and being tarnished as an athlete. Yet, in the end, he got much further, I think, from using those than he would have ordinarily. And you may decry that fact. You may not like that fact. I'm not asking you to accept it as awesome. I am asking you to accept it as reality that he didn't take them by accident or that taking them didn't ruin his life. In many ways, it enhanced quite a number of things that ordinarily would not have been there. 
And maybe that's the reason why you want higher testing. And maybe that's something that makes you don't like Chael Sonnen. I'm not telling you to like or love him. I'm simply, I am simply telling you it's time to accept uh, uh, what they can do for you in a system where it's hard to get caught or it's uh, yeah, it's hard to get caught. All right, gentlemen and ladies, uh, the animals are asking for more. Hey buddy. And I have to go to the doctor. No, come on. I have to go to the doctor. So here's what I'm going to do. I am promising you that when this is over, I'm going to get back in these comments and I'm going to answer some of these questions to the best of my ability. Uh, I'm sorry for the abbreviated chat today. We'll see what we can do about getting some more in there. Maybe if it's not this week, then next week. I appreciate it. We got lots of coverage. And don't forget, 5 p.m. is a UFC 184 presser. So a lot going on today with Rousey and Zingano and everything else going on. We'll have coverage of all of that today, photos, videos, the works. And then, of course, on Sunday as well, UFC Fight Night 61. Lots coming. Thank you for watching. I truly appreciate it. Follow me on Twitter at SBN Luke Thomas. Please feel free to email me at luke.thomas at sbnation.com. And um, I guess until next time, stay frosty.